you're going to hear from one of those kind of bizarre books of the Bible, but it's bizarre only because it's in story form. And this is the story of Job. Of Job. Job, that character who was the center of this conflict, this kind of metaphysical conflict between the adversary, represented as Satan, and the power of God. And what you're going to hear is what happens in the midst and just excerpts from the full book of Job. We're not reading the whole thing this morning, but just key pieces. Then you're going to hear the response that Jesus gives his disciples about how do we stay close to God. The first reading is from Job, first chapter, 1 through 3. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was pure and upright one who feared God and turned away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions included 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. In addition, he had a very great household. Now the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also arrived among them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From roving about on the earth and from walking back and forth across it. So the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a pure and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Is it for nothing that Job fears God? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his livestock have increased in the land. But extend your hand and strike everything he has and he will no doubt curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, All right then, everything he has is in your power. Only do not extend your hand against the man himself. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Does not humanity have hard service on earth? Are not their days also like the days of a hired man? Like a servant longing for the evening shadow, and like a hired man looking for his wages. Thus I have been made to inherit months of futility, and nights of sorrow have been appointed to me. If I have sinned, What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you set me as your target? Have I become a burden to you? And why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust, and you will seek me diligently, but I will not be gone. And now Londa will bring us the New Testament reading. Our first reading this morning is going to be from Job chapter 42, verses 10 through 12 and 16 through 17. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. And they ate bread with him in his house. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 
6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children, four generations. And Job died old and full of days. The next reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, 9 through 10. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. The door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Londa. I invite the choir if you want to move down and the screens to come down. Thank you. One of the things about Aldersgate, United Methodist Church, is you, and I hope now we have created an environment where if someone feels the tug of God, that this is an environment where that tug can be fulfilled. And it is amazing to hear the stories of those who feel that tug, and Peter is certainly one of those. And he brings a piece of his story this morning. And just want to say what a privilege, my friend, it is to have you be a part of this. Will you share with us? Thank you, Brad. Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Peter. And um, I bring you some good news in, uh, in the way of the challenges of life that we're all dealing with these days. But I have some good news for you in the form of three parts. Live pray, and renew. And so it comes from a unlikely place in a land far, far away called New Jersey, or as you guys would say, New Jersey. And uh, this is a story about a friend of mine who lived and then prayed and then renewed. The Part of the story in New Jersey actually is a small example of what you see here. And this is, uh, you know, being an engineer, I can't do anything without a diagram. All right, so uh, this is what you have to deal with. So in diagrammatic form, we can see that, you know, New Jersey is kind of like on the left-hand side, okay? And you have all of those players that are involved, all right? And as you know, in New Jersey, we have some folks that are not the best people, you know, around. But that does represent the, you know, some of the trials and challenges that we deal with in our life, all right? So the point here is that we have a lot of tough stuff to go through down here on Earth, okay? And there's a lot of lessons that we need to learn while we're down here. And the reason is so that we can enter heaven. And in order to get to heaven, you need to have your stuff together, okay? And there's a lot of things that need to be learned. So this is a story of one of the lessons that was learned. 
So this is the living part of uh, the um, of the story. So this friend of mine was in New Jersey, and he was a professional, and he led a good life, had children, had a lot of friends, enjoyed good food, uh, enjoyed New York City, and um, one day he was giving a presentation um, in his office to a bunch of people, and um, while he was giving the presentation, he had an incredible pain in his head real pounding in his head and he just couldn't finish uh, the presentation so they took him to the hospital and while he's in the hospital uh, whatever the problem was it got into his brain and it hit the seventh nerve and it paralyzed him from the neck up now what does that mean that means that you can't talk because your mouth muscles don't work you can't show any expression because your face muscles don't work. Even the eyelids would not work. So in essence, the person really couldn't see. Okay? Now just imagine, just sit there and have like a stone face and keep your eyes closed. Okay? And try to laugh. Right? Try to laugh. <laughs> Looks, you can't really laugh. All right? Now, can you imagine trying to have a conversation with someone where you really can't talk and your eyes don't work? So in order for you to see the other person, you have to kind of lift your eyes like this with your fingers, you know, to make them go up and down, all right? So it's really tough, all right? Now, as difficult as this is being paralyzed, it's great for playing poker, okay? And... Um, you know, I think if the if my buddy really thought about it, he probably could have become a professional poker player, you know, with that. Um, but the challenging part is his face very much looked like uh, Buster Keaton here, okay, uh, with the eyes closed, all right? And it was kind of a stone face. So, when, you know, when you would talk to him, it, it, was, it was a challenge. So now time goes by. Months go by, and, and he's still paralyzed. And... He's trying to determine if he's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Now, this is really tough because, you know, he had a good life. He had his children, and uh, we're just a very expressive person. And now he was no longer able to communicate with his friends. And the other thing that was hard is that this, uh, my friend had a really great relationship with children, Okay, coached baseball, coached soccer, and uh, the little kids. And when they would come see him, they didn't understand what was wrong. They kept saying, well, why is he mad at us? And it was hard to explain to the little kids that he's not mad. He just can't talk. So, prayer and the praying part of the story. So, uh, in the town, there was a Catholic youth organization that had a portion of time where they uh, had like a novena or a prayer time uh, for the youth in, in the town. And so people would, uh, it was a prayer clock, if you will, or a prayer, not a prayer chain, but a prayer clock where you would pray around the clock for the youth in the town. So my buddy decides to uh, take the graveyard shift because, you know, he's a night owl. And um, so he gets there about 2 o'clock in the morning, 
And the church looks very much like this. This isn't the exact church, the way it was explained. But he sat right next to that second pillar from the front in that pew. Now, just imagine, this, this picture has light, okay? But this is 2 o'clock in the morning. The, chart, the church is dimly lit. It's very, very uh, peaceful. So he's sitting there. He's got to stay for three hours. He's trying to figure out what to do. So he's praying, feeling sorry for himself, and not knowing if the paralysis is going to last for the rest of his life. So he prays to God, and he says, Look, um, you have to help me out here. You have to give me something that I can, uh, I can do, because uh, I don't know what I did to deserve this. I mean, so he takes the Bible, he opens it up, he flares it like a deck of cards, and he points his finger to the first open page. And sure enough, it was the scripture of Job, Job that was read this morning. Okay, now, of course, he read the whole book, but we hit the three parts that actually were the most meaningful to him. And he's feeling exactly like Job. He's going, look, why, why me? You know, uh, you know, I'm doing good. I'm trying to keep everything balanced. I go to church and all this. And then he starts, like Job, to get angry. And he, uh, he feels very much like Job. He feels, you know, uh, I'm not going to say Satan, but he feels one part pulling on him that's dragging him down. And then God is trying to pull him back the other way. So he's really kind of torn, you know, between the two. So he finishes up uh, his uh, prayer time at the, at the Catholic Church. And sure enough, uh, as he walks out the church, uh, I don't know if any of you have been to a Catholic church, but in the back of the church, there are usually candles. They're usually red candles. And if you want to uh, have a prayer and have it last for a few days, you, you know, you light a candle, right? You put a little money in and, and, and you light the candle and it's all, it's all good. So my buddy goes in and he puts the money in to the little slot and now he goes to light the candle. And there's no matches. He's going, well, how do I light this candle? Well, it turns out that this church had electric candles. Can you imagine electric candles? Now, this is, this is like about maybe 15, 20 years ago. So these days, like, everything is electric, you know. But back then, having electric candles in a Catholic church just was not good. You know, I don't know what God thought about it, but it really wasn't good. So he goes over to light the candle, and he's feeling very solemn, and he presses the button. Candle doesn't light. He goes to the next candle, pushes the button. Candle doesn't light. He goes down the entire row, pressing every button, and not one candle lit. So my buddy says, you know, it's not like things are bad enough as it is. I can't see, I can't talk, and now my prayer light can't, won't even work in the church. So he goes, yeah, life is tough. So he goes back and, um, you know, he went, had his church and the congregation prayed for him. And he was praying, you know, months are going by and he's still paralyzed, can't talk, has to drink through a straw, can't really see. It, it, was, it was tough, very tough for him. And like I said earlier, 
you know, he enjoyed people, he enjoyed uh, children, and it was really tough that he couldn't express himself to his friends and, and the children. So now the renew part. Here's where the, some of the good news comes in. So fortunately, um, at the church, uh, because of his illness and a number of other folks' illnesses in the church, um, they started a weekly healing service uh, every Wednesday night. And so my buddy went and a whole bunch of other people went, and, and we went to, to pray, to pray for the people who were sick, to pray for the people who were in need. Um, and it was a very solemn, very peaceful, very important time. But everyone prayed together at this healing service. And it's amazing how prayer really, really works. And it's interesting how it doesn't only work for the people who need the healing prayer, but it's also good for the people who are saying the prayers, that they're able to take their spirit and their love and their support for this, for the folks who need it. And they work together with God to heal. And as we say is the person who is sick or in need, their faith will heal all of them, their mind, their body, and their spirit. The doctors will take care of the physical part. And fortunately for my friend, that's what happened. After a long period of time, uh, the doctors found that it was due to Lyme disease, uh, which is very active on the East Coast. And um, they were able to provide enough medication over a long period of time that eventually uh, made the nerves, healed the nerves and healed the rest of the body. Um, But it was tough. So... Um, I have a message for you. The message is that that friend of mine is me. Um, And uh, it was a very trying time. And, um, you know, of course, I can't thank my wife, Londa, enough for literally saving my life along with all of the other folks that helped me deal with the notion of not being able to see or speak for the rest of my life. But what um, what I did learn from being in the Catholic Church, even though the candles didn't work, uh, and um, is that watching other people pray for you and others. And then, even for myself, I, uh, you, you kind of lose the ability to set time aside every day to pray. You know, I remember as a little kid being raised Catholic, you know, I always used to say my prayers before I went to bed at night. But as an adult, especially in today's day and age, being an engineer, There's not much time for prayer. But the notion of not being able to see or speak again makes you realize that you've got to pray. You've got to converse with God every day. And I mean converse. 
you know, you don't want to be praying to God and asking him for stuff all the time. He gets, you know, I'm not sure if he gets tired of it. But it's got to be a two-way communication. You have to tell God all of the good things that you do. You have to tell God the struggles that you are encountering. You have to tell God that you're trying to do your best down here on the planet. I mean, what do we have, you know, maybe you know, 60 to 100 years to live down here? That way we can get to heaven. Well, how, you know, how do you get to heaven? You know, you have to learn how to deal with the good and the not so good. And when I was preparing the sermon, especially during Holy Week, um, you know, I was watching a number of the, the movies like The Greatest Story Ever Told and and King of Kings. And you look very closely at what Jesus did while he was here on earth. And when I listened to his words, I realized that Jesus was doing what I just said. He was praying to his father every day. And he was taking the message and sending it to the rest of the world. But then Jesus gave his life for us. He did a lot more than pray. He gave his life for us. So, how do you pray to God? That's what the New Testament reading is. You know, the, um, the Our Father. In fact, now when I pray every day, I start with Our Father. Because those few sentences basically tell you what you need to do every day. So when uh, people say, well, how do you pray every day, especially in today's day and age? Okay. So, you know, if you have a, you know, a smartphone or a computer, send God an email. Text them on your smartphone. But when you do that, address it to yourself. Because God is in you. God is in you. And then, when you go back and read that message, you'll have a better understanding of what you're trying to tell God. And of course, God will be looking over your shoulder, and and he'll see it. And it's important that, that you do this. You must maintain your relationship with God every single day. Because it will help you get through the good times and the tough times on this planet. So when you pray, pray for everybody. Pray for those that are poor, but also pray for the people who have stuff. You know, it's amazing to me how many people I see who are pretty well off materialistically, but their spirit is woefully in need. They need a lot of prayer. And especially those people who put material things above everything else. They probably need the prayer the most because they don't recognize that it's just a thing. It's just fancy clothes or cool cars or whatever the case is. But their spirit, their relationship with God, that's where the value is. That's what they need to nourish on this earth. Because the kingdom of God is within each of us. It is there. Sometimes it's harder to reach 
and sometimes there's a lot of noise inside of you that prevent the kingdom of God and your ability to love and your ability to pray to come out. But it's there, and we'll find it one way or the other. So in addition to praying, what I learned is it feels good to do something good for somebody every day. It means that you're able to take your prayer and your love and your spirit and God's peace and provide it to people who need it. It feels good to share. It's like sharing a good meal. So if you do these things, as Jesus said, you will attain the kingdom of God. You'll be with God forever. He'll help you get to heaven. But doing these things will also help you experience the kingdom of God here while we live. Okay? Don't, when, when I was in that church, in that peaceful setting, I felt God. I felt God. So... Uh, I just want to thank you, and um, I just want you to remember the following things. And that is, your life is about your relationship with God and all those around you. And not just human beings. It's anything that's living. God created all living things. And as simple as it sounds, and I keep looking at this going, is it really this simple? But it is. Leading your life according to the commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. And if you can't remember ten, you can do the two that, that Jesus said. You know, if you have to, can only remember two, pick these two. And that is love your God with all your mind, body, and spirit. Really love him because he loves you back. He's a really good person to have on your side. He's a good guy to go into an alley with, you know. But the other thing is you have to love your neighbor as yourself. I know these sound very simple, but, you know, sometimes the simplest statements are the things that you remember. And frankly, at my age now, I can only remember two things. So, um, But the one thing that I'm really... Um, that really impressed on my mind is that, look, I only have a hundred years or so on this planet, and I have an awful lot to learn. I have an awful lot to learn and earn and absorb because <laughs> when I get up there and St. Peter is looking at me and God is going to judge me, <laughs> I definitely don't have the best report card. But I want to be able to say, look, you know, I, I didn't necessarily uh, get through all Ten Commandments. But I'm really sorry. And I, and I have told God how sorry I am for the commandments that I broke. And so in the remainder of my life, I want to be able to live pray, and I want to continue to renew every day, and I want to help 
all of you and as many folks as I can talk to uh, renew. Because, you know, heaven's a pretty cool place to be, but you can't really get there. I mean, why do you think there's no bad people in heaven? Because they weed them out. (laughs) You know, the people who are in heaven have learned how to love and, and do all of those things without hesitation, without even thinking. And, and that's why you live forever up there and, and why all, everyone kind of communes, all those souls up there. They don't have to worry about anything negative because they learned how to get through the good times and the not-so-good times here on Earth. So live, pray, and renew every day, as I hope to do. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that I did during those years uh, recovering is um, I listened to a lot of things because, again, I couldn't see and I, uh, I couldn't talk. So it was pretty cool because some people were sending me recordings of all, all different things. But, and I listened to a wide range of music. But one night I was sitting in my office and... Um, this was way after uh, I was in the Catholic Church, and I started listening to this song, and it just the uh, the music was just incredibly heartfelt, and um, so I wrote words to it. Now, mind you, I don't write poetry, I don't write books. You know, I'm an engineer. You know, I'm not very good at writing, but somehow that night, when I was listening to the words, I mean, listening to the music. Um, these words came to me. So I would like um, to have it performed for you by, by Kathy Brown. And I thank Kathy an incredible amount because um, I've never, even though I wrote the words, I've never heard this song performed before today. So, Kathy. Oh, please. I think given the depth of your sermon today, and I know I've now heard this song and I've heard Kathy sing it, can I share prayer needs with the congregation and have us have this be the prayer time? Sure. Would that be okay? Of course. All right. Thank you. The needs that I have this morning, and as you hear these words, and it's just incredibly beautiful. Um, Please pray for these. Our preschool director, Chris Antrobus, had surgery last week and is still recovering. Sarah, we're praying for you as you go in for surgery tomorrow and for your family as, as you go through this time. For Seiko Olson, who is also recovering from surgery, if you would let Alina know that we're praying for her in this time of these exams that I know she's going through, um, just help her to know that our prayers are with her through this time. For Peter, as he has now shared the story and that we can take that in, for Shannon Hamrick and Tom Greenwood as they visit uh, Shannon's mom in Florida. Now she is in remission. For the Rummels as they have, are traveling in France. For Dirk this morning as he's preached and as he prepares for his new church. For our confirmands as you'll see their shining faces on those prayer quilts. And I'm so thankful for the hands that prepared this. Pray for yourselves this morning as you hear this song, for the depth of your spirit. And it is a beautiful, somewhat repetitious, 
it reminds me of things out of Tze or Iona. That, and it's just absolutely breathtaking. So please, as we hear this, let's be in the spirit of prayer. is my sin. 